Hello, and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Michelle Friedman. And I'm Rachel Yehuda. And we're both from YCT Rabbinical School. In each episode, we explore an aspect of psychology based on the Torah reading of the week. And we are in the book of Genesis, Bereshis, and the portion that we're talking about today is Vayishlach. And the question that we're kind of organizing our thinking about is reconciliation between people who have been estranged, combative, hateful, angry with each other. Is reconciliation possible? Well, this story comes up because Jacob is finally ready to leave his father-in-law's house. Right. And he knows that in order to go back to the land he came from, he has to go through the territory of his brother. And it's been many years. And the question is... What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I want to point out also that this is a, a reverse Lech Lecha kind of story. Just as Abraham was given the command to leave the place that he knew and to go out, now Jacob who now has this large family, these two wives, these concubines, these many children, is being told to leave and to go back. And to do that, he's got to go through his estranged brother Esau's territory. Right. So he has to take all of his belongings. He has to pack up his four wives and their children and all their stuff. And as he tries to move them forward, he realizes that he has left some of his possessions behind, and he goes back to retrieve them. And then you have a very interesting story of Jacob wrestling. By the way, I just want to say, you know, a lot of times people leave stuff in my office. They mm -hmm. leave an umbrella on the floor. They leave their sunglasses. And then they either they, they, they knock on the door later, sometimes with another patient, or they call. And I, and I usually smile to them or to myself because if somebody leaves something, they kind of want to come back. Well, it's a sign um, maybe... They're not finished. That they're not finished. Mm -hmm. um, they might have a little ambivalence about That's leaving. Right. They're not sure whether they want to leave a piece of them behind. Exactly. But, um, and I, I take that point. But the text says that Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. And when he saw he had not prevailed against him, he wrenched Jacob's hip at its socket so that the socket of his hip was strained as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But he answered, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Yeah. And it's so interesting because last week we talked about dreams. This is not termed a dream in this story. No, it's a very interesting experience. Right. It's a transformative it's a trans experience. It's a transformative experience that is, again, dividing up a very important part of Jacob's life. He's about to start a new chapter of his life. He may have a little ambivalence about that, but what he's really doing is, well, what we do in therapy That's right. is wrestle with ourselves, <laughs> mm -hmm. is really wrestle with um, whether we're ready to take the next step. To handle things differently than we did before. differently than we did before. And I think that this is a very interesting story because, first of all, there's this, um, again, this reference back to bless me, you know, this whole idea of the big theme in Jacob's life about the blessing. Getting a blessing. Getting a blessing. And the man wants a blessing the here. The man wants a blessing yep. now, and he, he's, he's actually physically hurt Jacob <laughs> to right. get it. That's right. And also there's right. a name change. And there's a name change. So the idea here is that in order to go to the next stage of, of your life sometimes, 
you might have to wrestle with who you are right now in order to get to some different place. And by giving Jacob a different name, it's a very symbolic way of acknowledging that there has been some sort of attempt to reinvent right. oneself. So it's kind of surprising that when Jacob and Esau actually meet up, there doesn't seem to be any feeling of animosity or grudge or hatred. In fact, Asaph greets Jacob effusively, and there's this rush of active verbs, sort of like we see in other portions when Abraham prepares the meal for the three angels that visit. There's this action of hugging and falling on his neck and kissing him. And its, la it's language is only used a couple of times in very emotional reunions. It seems genuine. And it's also interesting, later on in this portion, the two of them are going to cooperate to bury their father, Isaac. Well, look, the name change is, is really symbolic. In a way, it means I'm not the same person I used to be. And one of the ways in which reconciliation is possible with someone that you've had a former battle with is by really changing yourself so that you're not that same person. But he hasn't really changed it. himself because we see that when he's doing that crossing, he puts his family in order of favorites. So if this is before he's met up with Asaph and he's expecting the worst, if there is going to be a collision, if there's going to be some kind of battle or some kind of attack, his favorites will be in the rear and hopefully they'll be spared. So once again, he's acting out his feelings of favoritism. And the text doesn't work through feelings. Neither Esau nor Jacob talk anything through. And certainly one of our messages and what we practice in, in psychology and psychotherapy and psychiatry is the power of words. In this story, there are no apologies. Nobody speaks. Nobody asks for forgiveness. Nobody asks mechila, as we're taught to do. Nobody says, I'm sorry. But he's not acting like the same brother who took, who stole his blessing. That's right. He's better. And so that's really the point here, that if he would behave as that guy, that guy that tricked him into selling his birthright, that guy who disguised himself so that he would be impersonating his brother, that guy who moments before he arrived serviced his father, fed him, and and took his blessing, I don't think that reconciliation would be too easy. The way you reconcile with someone is you show them that you've changed and that you're not that person who is going to hurt them in the same way. Well, we see this all the time, don't we? I mean, you see people at the VA struggling to reconcile with painful stories. I see people trying to reconcile with spouses, with parents, with estranged children. And something I certainly see is how hard it is for people to just sit still, not act, and just in words say, I'm sorry, or I wish I had done it differently. Will you forgive me? Can we go forward? Yes, and I think that this is a story um, where two brothers try to do that. And the important psychological lesson that we learn, at least from Jacob's perspective, is you have to change. Right. Um, you might even need to have time go by. You might need to have accrued some of your own experience. Because in the interim, something really interesting happened to Jacob. Uh, he was also kind of deceived by his father-in-law. He wanted to marry Rachel. He didn't 
he didn't also want to marry Rachel's sister. He also goes through his physical suffering. He wrestles with the man. He is permanently injured. He is out there in the wilderness. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He may lose his entire family. Right, and it could be that the brother that um, Asa saw was a different guy, a guy that you could reconcile with. And the question is really making that stick. And it's more important than ever as we think about you know, the descendants of our forefathers. Um, we don't live like brothers with um, all of the descendants of our forefathers. And really, we have to find a way how to reconcile. And I think that in this portion of the Torah, we're, we're kind of given hope. Yeah. That I'm, I'm the thinking, grudges don't stay forever. Yes, and I'm thinking about, I mentioned this earlier, that the two brothers, Jacob and Esau, do cooperate to bury their father. And it would be just wonderful to know what that conversation was. Because we just I just came from a shiva call earlier, and there's a kind of a tenderness and a comforting quality when people can cooperate at the very end of life and can sit together. And it's nice to think about, or it's hopeful to think, that they did that in some kind of tender or cooperative way. Thanks for listening to the Pastoral Parsha with Dr. Michelle Friedman and Dr. Rachel Yehuda. This podcast is brought to you by Shivat Chovavei Torah. To learn more, visit yctorah.org.